I'm Katie Wallace, host of the Sustainable League, introducing you to the people making an impact in their own way and exploring what it really takes to evolve our consciousness and build towards a more resilient world. If you're feeling it, please subscribe. And if you're really feeling it, we welcome your reviews and connect with us on any of our social media channels for more paradigm shifting banter. This week on Sustainable League, I chat with Lee Everett. He's a mental health and alignment coach, mental health speaker and advocate, podcast host and retreat leader. All of this stems from an interesting mental health journey early on in his life. We dive into his OCD diagnosis, what it looked like to change that narrative, and explored some unconventional ways of managing depression. Although these ways are slowly becoming more mainstream, research them for yourself and draw your own conclusions. I'm a big advocate for mental health. So throughout my life, I've lived quite the interesting mental health journey. Um, I don't know if this is the best intro, but I'm gonna start here. Um, at the age of four, or five, um, I was diagnosed with OCD uh, at Duke Hospital by three or four different doctors and was diagnosed with a laundry list of different things. And they started giving me all these medications. So long story short, I, one of those medications actually almost gave me a heart attack. And so from that point, my mom was like, look, no more. Um, you know, we're not going to go this medication route. So we went from psychologist to psychologist because I mean, I was going through a lot of things. I was licking carpet floors. I was counting tiles. I was holding knives up to my chest, washing my hands so they would bleed, having to take a shower every time I pooped, like crazy stuff. So from that point, you know, it just was a journey. And I start with that because that's what made me who I am today and makes me the weird, quirky, questioning person that I am. So going through that journey and, and having the help I did and, and not having to do any SSRIs or medication um, my mom was a big advocate of showing me that we can control our thoughts and our mind and things like that. So as time got on, I just had, you know, I took that obsessive brain and just really became obsessed with human consciousness. You know, I hit a depression a couple years ago um, and just told myself, look, like no more, I'll never return back to this point because uh, it was probably one of the worst, like, you know, dips I had had. And, um, you know, I just became obsessed with human consciousness. I, be, I became obsessed with human connection and healing and, and taking that trauma that we all go through as a kid and undoing that because as adults, like we just have a lot of undoing to do because we've been programmed in such a way. And so now I try to help companies with their organizational culture and infuse more human consciousness into the modern day workplace and work with companies on actually being more consciously aware of what we're doing, how we're doing it, you know, and just being present in that moment. And then from there, just the real work takes place outside of corporate. You know, I really am focused on trying to build some of these retreats, trying to connect. And like you and I were first talking about just bringing people together and healing and going through these things that are tried and true, whether it be meditation, uh, you know, breath work, plant-based medicines, whatever, like just really coming together and just being ourselves and letting go and, and be okay with having fun and being in the moment and connecting and laughing and crying and just being in nature and being with other people and healing together. So with all that said, that was probably the worst introduction ever, but that is kind of like where I'm at and what I do and what I'm trying to do and represent in a nutshell. So I think that was a great introduction, actually. There was a couple of things that really stood out to me. 
especially the fact that your mom championed you taking this on from maybe a more holistic route. I do just want to say that I am a big fan of modern medicine, but I also think that it needs to be used in conjunction with, uh, in a holistic way. I think you can't just treat certain things and then leave out all these other environmental factors and, um, on and on and on. But I think one thing that I did want to kind of um, talk about before we move a little bit forward, I'm curious what your, whenever you say consciousness, what is your definition of that? I know that it can be defined multiple ways. I think about consciousness uh, just as um, being aware of having an experience. Um, So how do you define that? Yeah, the, the that's the word I use a lot of the time is awareness and and being present enough to like to 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 feel that. I think that's what consciousness is is to take that awareness and then to feel it. And then when you feel something whether it be external or internal, that's what consciousness is almost. Yeah, sure. Um yeah, and if it seems like I'm ever giving pushback on anything anything, it's mostly because I'm curious. Um just sure. because I know we're all kind of having different experiences and um, obviously our words are the only way that we really have to relate to each other. Um, especially when we're on a zoom call. So cool. Um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit more about too. So you started kind of going down this holistic route, right? Um, you weren't taking medications or anything like that, but when, what was the turning point? What did you find this? Was there like a routine or something like that that worked for you? I mean, I know it's probably been a progression of things, but kind of what does that look like? Yeah, it definitely was a lot of routine oriented things. And and to your point too, about the medication, I agree with you. Like there definitely is a time where medication is needed. Um, but the problem is we don't get to the root cause. We just put bandaid on top of bandaid on top of bandaid. Oh, this medication you, your body's gotten used to, let's up the dose. Oh, you're not um, reacting well to this. Let's try another. And so it's all this trial and error in the, all the wrong places where the medication can be a tool, no different than other tools we have, but we're not utilizing it the best. So I agree with you there because there's definitely some situations where it's needed to just get a baseline and then, then figure out where we actually need to go from there. And that's kind of where my mom started. And, you know, she wasn't some holistic health guru, whatever. She just, you know, she quit her job. She became a stay at home mom. Um, fortunately she had worked with physically and mentally disabled kids in the school system. So she was aware of kind of what was going on, but not to this degree. So a lot of, the things we did was a lot of trial and error. And really for me, when I look back at it, it was always like having a system in place always did well for me because being an obsessive obsessive person, I was always very extreme. So like whenever I did something, I had to do it to the max, whether it was school or sports or weightlifting or anything I got involved in, I had to do it. So like, there's always like finding that balance and like, okay, like having that system Um, Because when I hit that depression, I got away completely from the system. I call it the pendulum swing. So when I went from like super structured, almost too structured to like no structure at all, neither is good, but it's finding that balance. The structure was very important as a kid because my mom and I being so close, she was kind of like an accountability partner in the sense that she could view me from a thousand feet above and then see what was going on and then kind of steer and guide me in a certain direction but still let me make the choices and decisions I needed to make so I think the mix between structure but having that free will and ability to mess up is what got me to where I am today like 
having the help, but also being able to make the decisions and touching the hot stove and learning for myself. Yeah, I think that's a super important distinction to make, right? Because I think a lot of people shoot for perfection and mm-hmm. they think that it's always just going to, like, once you hit this point, it's just going to be this straight line, but it's kind of always like, you know, to your point, that pendulum, and it's about finding finding the, the balance between um, between all things, because I think that's kind of, you know, even if you look from a sustainability perspective, as far as the environment goes, we are going towards one extreme right now. And then you have like these voices of a lot of environmentalists that are trying to pull us to this other extreme. Right. right? And the more that we go to these extremes, it's, it's neither one is good. There's going to be problems that come with either one. And so it's about finding that balance where we can kind of all meet in the middle on different solutions. And so I think that's very valuable here. Do you still, are there still things that you kind of struggle with now even? I mean, I want to talk more about kind of this, get into some of the real solutions and things like that, because I think we've had uh, a similar journey when it comes to um, our mental states, maybe. Um, but is there stuff that you're still dealing with now, I would say, or what are, what are some of the things that still crop up specifically from that, you know, being OCD, et cetera? Yeah, I guess, so like, couple years ago, I'll I'll start there since it is super recent. Like, and the thing about me and the thing I I would tell everybody else is like, you should, you should strive to be or or hope to be or work to be somebody different almost every day. And that's one thing I, because I hate talking about myself. Like, and that's another thing I I grew up with no self-confidence, no self-love, the pendulum swung, you know, the pendulum swings. And now I've got like just a taste of like confidence to take, you know, a lot of more self-love. And so like, that's just the most humbling thing for me because when you go through those things and see that that darkness on one side and then see a glimpse of the light you know you become super appreciative and grateful um but that's a little off the subject um for me like a two couple years ago you know the big thing was what i was going through was i think what we all go through is like our our own thoughts right and really what got me into the rabbit hole I was in a couple of years ago, I was believing the narrative that I was telling myself a hundred percent. So like being a obsessing impulsive, I always was analyzing everything and still am just not to the degree, but always trying to predict everything and thought I knew what was to come and judge body language and conversation and really try to get back to the word we mentioned earlier is control everything. I try to control situations and conversations and future instances and even past trying to redo those so a lot of what I ran into a couple years ago was just listening to that narrative and just like not seeing the forest because I was staring at the tree like I was literally just looking at the bark of one tree and I was just so stuck in my own hole that I could not get out and that's the thing that just frustrates me with people is like oh you know just buckle up your bootstraps dust yourself off and keep moving like you know you're that's not, it's not always that easy. And so fortunately for me, I had, you know, people come into my life that I think we're always sent messages, messengers and guides and things, but we just have to be aware back to the consciousness word, conscious enough to see those signs. So fortunately, even though I got myself in that hole and I'll take the blame, I was conscious enough to see the cues and like, well, shit, I got to get out of this. And like, just finally just was like, because I was forcing myself to sleep. I was eating nothing but fast food. Um, and this comes from a person where like, again, the pendulum, I was bodybuilding, I was competing. I was real big into health in college, got out of school and just hit this depression. Just, you know, 
I would sleep till five, six o'clock in the evening on the weekends. Like I'd come home, like stay in and just not get any sunlight and just, it was just bad. So seeing those, those conscious clues and signs, I was like, all right, because you've got to want it for yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, at some point you got to want to help yourself. And I just had just, cause it's easy to just not care and let go. And I had just gotten so blocked by everything. I finally was able to pull myself out with the help of others and other tools and things like that. So starting from there, just slowly starting to like build on that. And so like, I still deal with things like self doubt and fear. Fear is probably the biggest one I still deal with. And I think we all do is just having something that we really want to do, being fearful of pursuing that, and then telling ourselves, oh, it's this. And then we just got to pause and tell ourselves, like, no, like those voices that we hear, those words that we hear, that's not us. It's just our mind trying to predict what may or may not happen. And so we don't know. All we know is what is exactly going on right here, right now. I don't know what if somebody can come busting through the door. I don't know what, like, if my computer may shut down. I don't, we don't know. We can plan and prepare all we want, but. I'd say that's the biggest thing is just those voices in your head. Like I'm still dealing with some of that and people are like, Oh, he's crazy. We all hear a lot of us hear voices in our head. So it's just knowing that we're separate from that, I think is the biggest thing that still trickles in my mind. But fortunately I'm able to like navigate that for the, for the better part. Yeah. I want to definitely dive into some of these solutions, but I think there was a couple things that were coming up as, as you're talking about this. And obviously depression is a, is a big thing. I just heard a statistic um, and I kind of told you about it before this, but it was like one in 10 people are depressed and we both agree that it's probably much higher uh, than that. And I, I think one of the biggest things, and, and I can only say this because I recognize it in myself, um, the reason why we're so depressed, um, I'm not going to say, you know, it's not universal, but we have so many things that we can distract ourselves with now. And to where, whereas we used to be able to, to take time and to sit with the things that maybe bothered us um, and really look at them and reflect on them and, and look at our behavior or whatever it may be. Well, now we don't. You know, it's like, hey, let me just jump on this app real quick and find someone to distract myself. Let me uh, scroll on social media. Let me binge on Netflix. Let me, et cetera, on and on and on, right? Mm -hmm. It's endless. And if one of those things isn't working for you, you jump to the next one, you jump to the next one. And so it makes sense that so many people are depressed. And it may not, I think, I think it's starting to kind of take on this whole, this new life of its own. It's like this different form of depression. Um, or maybe it's always been the same thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, you know, I've only known, known what I've dealt with. Um, but I, normally when I start to feel a particular way, it's because there is something that is trying to get my attention, something that I need to work on, a behavior that I need to change, but I'm not ready to look at it. Mm -hmm. So I'll find myself scrolling on social media, knowing that I don't want to do it, but I don't want to look at that thing because that means I'm going to have to change my behavior. It means I'm going to have to face some unpretty thing and I'm just not ready for it. But I think a lot of people don't have that awareness yet, uh, yet, um, but they can. Um, so yeah, that was just sort of, sort of a side tangent there. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's kind of talk a little bit about uh, maybe some solutions, maybe some things that that have been really helpful for you, especially having just gone through a pretty serious bout of depression yourself. I'd say I always tell people my, my mental health journey comes down to, to three things is 
friends and family, you know, that type of thing, mentorship, and then self-work. And then I slide in, you know, tools in that self-work, whether it be like, you know, medicines or uh, breath work, meditation, whatever, right? So I think a number one thing for us is like connection. I think at our heart and soul, like we're, we're, we're interesting creatures because like we, because for me, especially like I love to like connect and be extroverted, but then also like my alone time. And then it's like the word, you know, like we've been talking about balance. I think we need to have that connection, but we also need to have that alone time where we're blocking out the, the apps and the medias and things like that. So I think number one, the, the best remedy is connection, man. When we can just, I've got a, I've got a neighbor and I'll just go on a small tangent. I've got a neighbor who's a 75 year old Vietnam veteran, retired VA psychologist, and just an awesome dude. And like, I randomly knocked on his door one day because I like meditating in the little woods between our houses. So I'm like, well, hell, I better introduce myself to this guy before this yuppity neighborhood thinks I'm some sketchball, which has already happened. So let me go introduce myself self to this guy. And long story short, I write my number on the back of the bag, just hoping that this guy calls me. And next thing you know, he calls me like a week later. And we're like best friends ever since. And so it's, it's that right there. Cause we'll sit there and just talk and like, I've cried in front of this guy. We've like played music together and mind you, I don't know anything about playing music. He's been teaching me. Um, but it's just things like that. Having that connection where just, we talk about, it doesn't have to be life changing things, but we talk about meaningful things. We talk about each other's past and share stories and share emotions and just are open. And just the other day we were playing music and, and hanging out and he was dancing. And I don't like, I have rhythm, but I don't like dancing in front of people. I've been like, you know, I'm weird sometimes. And so it's like, man, we were just moving and grooving and like hanging out. And so like, that was like the best therapy session ever is just to connect with somebody and, and see their emotion and, and feel my own emotion and, and, and just be and not have to worry about what's going on. We sat outside and drank coffee which leads me to the next biggest thing is just nature, man. Like I think nature is just the ultimate healer and, 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 and God, the universe, whatever you subscribe to, I think provides us with all these things. You know, it's our God given right. Like you said earlier, it's like everybody has the capability to heal and be aware. It's just how bad do you want it for yourself and how conscious are you enough to like work towards that? Cause like you said, there's so many different distractions now and with me. Like I really got stuck in like the sex rabbit hole like I was constantly trying to like feel this emotional void in my head by chasing women or chasing experiences because I didn't want to face what was going on I didn't want to like sit in my college apartment alone and deal with these thoughts and emotions I wanted to fill that with like mindless interaction or mindless sex or mindless whatever to the point where like that's what led to that depression it had just kept building and building and building and building it's like this decaying gunk you don't realize is there next thing you know the machine shuts down and you're like oh shit you know and that's where I was I was mentally dying and physically dying and so to me connection and nature are like the two biggest things we can um we can have and then to top it off is just self-love when you because if you do if you can't love yourself you can't love anybody else and so for me yeah I was always so self-conscious I always didn't have confidence and everybody was like oh you're a decent looking guy you got a good job you're coming from a good family um but I hated myself I hated my thoughts I hated myself I hated the way I looked and then I finally like once you start loving and having that confidence then then you can pour that into everybody else but you got to take care of yourself first and foremost and so I think those are the three biggest um three biggest things that could get people in the right direction 
Yeah. I love the story about your neighbor. Honestly, that's just such a pure <laughs> connection to make like oh, he's awesome. you know, those interactions. I swear it's always the, I, I think sometimes to me, that's always the moments like the fleeting moments that are the most priceless, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's the unexpected moments I suppose that are, that are so priceless. But it I is. think a lot of what you were saying is that, or, and someone mentioned this to me the other day, but it was the, it's the better that we know ourselves, the better our relationships with others are Mm -hmm. essentially. And it it just makes so much sense because the more you dive into you, the more it's easier to be empathetic for, for other people, regardless of their situation, because you've been through it and you've done the work and you know, kind of what it takes to, to get to a particular place that you are happy with. So, um, what does your meditation life look like? See, that's something I definitely need to get a lot better at because like, and I think that's just consistency because when I get in there and do it, I, I enjoy it. And I think we get so stuck too in like trying to do it a certain way and trying to like do this breathing technique and this strategy and this and this whatever. And like, I've just gotten to the point where I just try to create my own because when I find that I try to create my own, then it just, I have more fun. I'm creating something and I'm not focusing on what I should be doing. So like the other day I listened, I'm, I'm a big Alan Watts fan. I'm sure like most modern millennials have like heard of <laughs> Alan Watts and other people have like that seems to be the one that everybody throws out but there's like this one guy that does like this music mix with his words so like I found that to be a cool little mix of like music and then having Alan Watts come in and spit some knowledge um, and then kind of meditating to that and so been trying that recently um, and then I've enjoyed it because it just puts me I think that the thing to get in like what meditation does it puts you in that flow state just like with me and Ben the other day, he was teaching me the bass guitar. The minute I stopped thinking about how to play was the minute I was doing well. The minute I started thinking about where my fingers were and what chord to play is the minute I fucked up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the same thing with meditation. And like, and it's, it's like, you know, when you try not to try, you're still trying. So I think it's like, <laughs> yeah. as simple as it is, just be. And so same thing with meditation, just do it. And then like observe. That's why I like, I like playing off the obsessive compulsive. That's why I like the obsessive observer. Cause if you just obsessively observe, then you're just observing. You're not trying necessarily to do anything. You're just there and seeing what kind of like flashes by and whatever. So, mm-hmm. so it's like find what works for you and then Frankenstein your own, I think is, is important. Just Frankenstein it. I think that's a very important piece there. A lot of people, like let's just say, who are offering a particular way, will say that this is the way that you need to do it, and it's based on science, and this like is Wim the Hoff. way. Like Wim Hof, everybody. Yeah. Like Wim Hof. Yeah. This, like the, and I think that's, yeah. You just got to figure out what works for you, mm-hmm. but I think you also have to try different things. Right. I think something that's been really beneficial, uh, especially for me being consistent and meditating, is writing first. So I have okay. this gratitude book that one of my friends recommended that I get. And so I got it and it has been, holy crap, it has been amazing. And it's super short. You just write something that you're basically grateful for, right? In the morning and then at Mm. night. So in the morning I'll do that. And then I'll actually just write. I'll write about whatever shit that came up in dreams, you know, my day, things that I've noticed about myself that maybe I want to change, whatever it may be. Um, and then I find that it's easier for me to meditate because I've already kind of poured out a lot of the thoughts that I had 
And then I can just sit in silence and just let mm -hmm. things flow and really just like let myself return back to a more like homeostatic state before I venture out into the world. Um, so, so that's been really helpful. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about maybe some more unconventional um, ways of, I don't want to say managing depression, um, but sure, I'll say that. But so kind of tell me a little bit about some of the unconventional ways that you have. Unconventional. Uh, <laughs> so what direction do you want me to go? Just, Wherever you want to go. What okay. comes up for you when I, when I say that? <laughs> <clears throat> well, if I'm being honest and honestly not caring about how people may judge this on the surface and you know and that's the thing right when we share information with people we just have to know that we have to speak our truth and that we have to hope that there's no judgment just like we aim to not judge others uh, psilocybin is like a big unconventional thing for me and it's a huge tool and it's it's something that like it's gaining more popularity now which i think is a double-edged sword right because you can go two routes with this stuff and like a, a big thing in like the corporate America world and uh, especially out in the West is what they're doing. A, a lot of people are microdosing now because there is a lot of effects and benefits to what it does. But before I go that, down that road, let me start with like what psilocybin and other uh, remedies can do for you along the lines of what nature provides. And so with me, psilocybin was the one that uh, helped me get out of that funk I was in. And so it's just, I tell people like one way to think of it, if you have a, you know, if all these sleds are going down a hill in snow and then the same sleds keep going down the same track because they're just following everybody else. That's your brain. So your brain has got all these pathways and neurons and things going on right without getting too technical. And these thoughts go down these tracks and they follow these tracks and tracks and tracks and tracks. It's just like animals walking through a woods. They follow the same trail that somebody else or they led themselves to do earlier on. What psychedelics does, um, and then mushrooms I'm talking about specifically, is that it comes in like a fresh snow. All those tracks disappear and it allows you to create new grooves and new functions within your brain. So, you know, neurons and pathways and all these things, right, are firing that never have fired before or haven't fired in years or just needs a fresh restart. And so for me, that was it. And so like I've, you know, you hear people talk about good and bad experiences. I don't think there's good or bad experiences. I think your mind shows you what you're thinking, you know, it reflects back to you. So I've had some pretty bad experiences and I've had amazing experiences and going through those tough times. Like I saw back to that consciousness, I was aware enough in those moments to like, cause people think you, you don't have control or you're not conscious when you're, you're very much in control or you're very conscious when you're in these moments. And so like being present in that and taking the knowledge that is being shown to you and then integrating that into your life is what the key is because you can do any type of tool. You can go and meditate and do breath work or use psychedelics or go for a run or whatever. But if you're not utilizing and integrating what you're learning into your day-to-day -day life, what does that matter? It's like going to practice and then never using what you practice in a game. You know, you can sit there and throw a hundred pitches, but if you're never going to step on the mound and, and pitch in a game or, or in life, 
And what does all those, what does all that repetition work really do unless you just enjoy doing it? Okay. So I think a big distinction for, for people or something maybe that a lot of people don't recognize is that our operating systems are pretty set in place by the time we're seven years old. Yeah. So we didn't have any say over the type of operating system that we're operating on. And we're still walking around 30, 40, 50 years old on this seven-year-old operating system, reacting to shit that happened with our parents, with our caretakers, with, you know, whatever it was. And I think that I, I, that was sort of something very similar for me. I had, I was very sober um, for probably seven years, didn't do anything, drugs, alcohol, the like, and I wouldn't even, I hate to even call these um, drug, or these tools drugs, um, but whatever, people will get it hopefully. And I was to the point, I was very against taking prescription medication because I had had some very horrible experiences. I had tried multiple and they were not effective for me. In fact, I wanted, I was very close to killing myself um, on them and off them. So it got to that point again and I was very desperate and I was like, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to try uh, pharmaceuticals again. And uh, my partner at the time suggested that I have a full on dose of of psilocybin. And I had had previous experiences in high school and they were all very bad um, in the in the conventional term, right? Something that was not enjoyable or pleasant. And I think that's a, an important distinction to make as well is that these tools, let's say plant medicines or whatever they may be, are always a reflection of you and what's going on within you. Yeah. So if you see something that is scary or that it's dark, it's because you have internalized it to be so. And so I had um, a full-on experience, and and I, again, and I appreciate you actually talking about this because I think I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm so open about it that I forget that, and, <laughs> and that people have jobs and people have people in their life that may not be as open and accepting as as the people in my life, and I've just gotten to a point where I don't give a fuck. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, but yeah, so so I did have that experience, and, and it fundamentally. Um, changed the, just the trajectory that I was on. And then oh. I started microdosing and uh, then kind of had that same experience where I was like, I don't want to be on something every single day. And so, you know, but kind of was still riding that wave of like, oh, I, I am a depressed person and this is how a depressed person acts and got tied up in that story. Um, so I, I don't really know where I was going with that I think just more so that I can I can relate to your is your it still experience a part of is it still a part of your routine now no actually uh I would say the only thing well and that's that's probably a whole other story that we kind of talked a little bit about but uh was struggling again at the end of last year and and at that time I had been microdosing and it just felt like it was just it was just medicine it, and it became this crutch for me Mm. and I wanted, I really needed to find a way, a sustainable way that I could um, manage my mental health. And it really what happened is that it's stress started to manifest itself um, in physical ways. I started to get basically sick and I mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what was happening. And 
I traced it back to a lot of trauma that I had gone through in my early life and in, in my teen years. And you talked a little bit about how, you know, our brain kind of runs the, so we take certain pathways in our brain and they becomes metastasized. And I, again, had this operating system that was not serving me. And it was one that was addicted to stress. And I had done all the things I had meditated. I had, you know, gone on plant medicine journeys. I had been in therapy for 10 years. I was doing all of the things, right? Taking care of myself, working out, eating right. And still I was fucked up. Hmm. And um, which is, that's why I kind of my last ditch effort was ketamine. And so far that's proven to be the most effective um, treatment that I've had yet, but I'm only a month out of that. So, um, so yeah. And I know we've talked a little bit about that and I'm probably going to shut up now at this point because I just feel like I've been talking a lot. No, that's <laughs> interesting. So what do you, what did you like tracer? Like, so before the ketamine, what was like, what did you associate the most with? Was it, you know, cause you, it sounded like, like you said, you were doing everything that you could possibly do. So what was like the root cause you think? I think that was the biggest thing. I think it was that I was doing all of the things. And I thought that if I just keep doing these things, then there will be a significant shift. And I had been doing them for, for quite a while, right? And maybe I just wanted immediate gratification. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe this won't work, whatever. Um, but to be honest, I just, I, got, I just wanted to want to be here. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I love life, don't get me wrong, but I just got really tired of not caring whether or not I was here, even though I had a really beautiful life and I didn't know where that came from. Mm. And, yeah, you know, I I've been there too and I don't understand why either. Like why, like it just, it's kind of like you just get tired of the game, right? You just don't even want to play anymore. It's like, it just, I, I quit, you know, kind of that. That's what mm -hmm. I compare it to. It's almost like, you know, you look at it that much as a game and you're just like all right this isn't even worth playing anymore this is a joke type of thing so i've definitely been there yeah i can actually relate to that a lot <laughs> yeah it is and it's not a fun place to exist right because you know you're not going to do anything about it but you're also just like fuck you know <laughs> what like yeah. what do you do when you reach that point point? and so i think i mean i can't really tell you exactly how i traced it back to, to that experience, but I knew that a lot of people had had success with ketamine. And I think maybe just to kind of like talk a bit more about the solution, I think what it did for me was it rewired my brain, right? Because I had been so hardwired in this one particular way that was addicted to stress, that was addicted to this thinking about things negatively. And, and I did, I could, that was years. It was years and years of, of, of being trained that way and thinking that way that I think almost sometimes you just need a reset. Sometimes your system mm -hmm. needs a reset. And that is exactly what ketamine treatments did for me. And I've noticed that it allows me to just be so much more objective about things as whereas it used to seem like I didn't have a choice in the way that, that I thought about things or the, the way that I behaved or whatever it might be. Um, just because that operating system was just so fully ingrained in me, but ketamine was genuinely a, a reset. And now to your point, integration, I can replace all those like old shitty patterns with newer, healthier ways of thinking.
what was the light bulb moment you think because that's the hardest part to put to words is like you know because everybody has different responses to different uh medicines and so like like i like I, how this is flipped like this is my podcast and now you're asking me <laughs> look you can tell totally tell me to shut up that's no funny. no it's just funny hey my like, nickname I, was question mark as a kid for a reason so and i got into recruiting for a reason i'm really good I'm at asking the same questions way, which is so funny because i'm just so curious about people um but yeah what do you mean what was the light bulb moment like within See, this experience or yeah, like what made it different than other you know light bulb moments that like other psychedelics might have created and then like maybe worn off like what is like what was the pivotal moment with after the ketamine and what has kept it going longer or more positive compared to other experiences yeah i so let's i think integration right so when you go and do plant medicine or if you go do a plant medicine experience when you come back the integration is all on you and you're left to kind of you're given so much information about yourself and mm -hmm. I've, I'm still integrating a lot of the things that I learned from May of last year. Yeah. And, and that's very intense for a person to, let's say you go to the jungle like I did, or I was in Costa Rica and you're given all these facts about yourself and who you are as a person. And you're in this beautiful place where these people around you are everybody's working on themselves and you can be open and you can talk about healing and you can talk about all these things. That's not your reality. You come back with all this shit that you've, you know, you're armed with all this knowledge of yourself. You come back to this life, you have a job, you have a kid, you have, you know, all these different responsibilities and that isn't your reality. Right. And so you it's so easy to fall back into the same kind of patterns. And I think it's the same thing with, with any other, type of medicine that you might do. What I thoroughly enjoyed about my ketamine experience and what I think is gonna, I think is why I'm having so much success with it right now is that it was very clinical. It was, I had an amazing doctor who I was very aligned with. Um, he's an anesthesiologist as well. Um, and he also believes in a very holistic um, treatment plan essentially and he's like you can do ketamine but it, you know if you don't if your food isn't on point if your stress management is not point if you're not if you don't have physical activity if your relationships if you're not if you don't have people in your life like all of these things they have to work in conjunction with the, with each other he was like ketamine's not going to work um, but if you can get all of these things right and we do this you'll have success essentially and so that was, I felt really aligned with him on that. And I also believed that it was going to work. And then I would go to these, these sessions and obviously the treatments were amazing. But after that, I was immediately immersed back into the world. And so I kind of, you go through probably like six treatments typically. And so you, and it's like three in a week, three in a week. And so at first you have this amazing experience and then it's like, okay, cool. Now go integrate it, go see what this looks like in real life. And you're at a doctor's office. So you have this safety and now you go integrate it, but you know, you're going to be able to go back to that safety um, until you can figure out how to do it on your own until your brain is fully rewired because the ketamine is doing something in your brain as well. So I think that's what it was in a roundabout way. Yeah. Cause I haven't done too much research on ketamine, but I know it's become one of the popular methods especially in like a controlled environment that's one of their what is it exactly do you know like 
Um, I think a lot of people know it as, I mean, it's like a horse tranquilizer maybe, but it's also used as like an anesthetic for humans as yeah. well. Um, so it creates like a, what, I won't ask too many questions, I guess. Because <laughs> I, because it's something that's interesting because like there's a few places here in Charlotte and that and MDMA has started popping up, which is like crazy to me, you know, because I, I definitely thought of that because I haven't tried MDMA before. And like, I definitely like associate that with like my, my show bros who go out and like to the party. Yeah. Like, go party. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm hearing all this stuff, especially like veterans and stuff. Now they're doing MDMA. I'm like, what? Yeah. So, I wonder if it's the whole set and setting thing, if it, if it's the mix between, you know, the ketamine or insert, you know, mushrooms or whatever, and the uh, doctor-like environment. I wonder if that's like... I think it's a combination of all of the things, right? Like, I, yeah. and I've definitely heard it talk about being talked about more eloquently than I probably could. But I mean, just take, um, take ayahuasca, for example. Part of the whole experience is that you go on a journey to get mm -hmm. there. Right. And I think that setting is very important, especially if you're trying to use it to heal oh, in definitely. a particular way. What are what is your setting usually like whenever you are having any sort of experiences? For me, like I I like doing a mix between outside and inside. So, so like I'm either in the woods or I'm in like a controlled setting in like my house, which is like either my office here or you know my living room because you know she's decorated it really nicely and so like that's a cool because set and setting is everything because i was in my shitty apartment you know a couple of years ago and that was the worst and it was just you know amplifying more negative thoughts because of that uh setting i was in um so yeah and I, I love being out in nature like that, that definitely helps big time and just hearing the sounds of nature and i actually saw somebody share something earlier it's like Joe Dispenza was saying because he's on this big train now of sharing a lot of this knowledge out of nowhere. Um, he's so awesome, yeah. man! I'm a, I'm so about that Joe Dispenza life. Thank like thank him for backing up all the shit that people yeah. have been talking about for a long yeah, time. I've got his book. Like, I think there's a lot of work that we can do with kids and and like mentorship. Mentorship's huge, I think. But yeah, that's a whole nother thing. I'll shut up now. But <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's very interesting. I think a lot of the work that we're doing now, especially with ourselves, is is showing us kind of what we needed as kids. Like it, I think that's a big part is that we recognize that what the need was that we didn't have filled and that mess that it created from not having that. And so I think it I think that we do have the tools to actually mm -hmm. go back and, you know, um because kids are the purest form, you know, oh kids are the purest form of consciousness and just seeing that love and happiness and like it's like, how do you protect this? And there's so much crap that we're attacked by with, with society in general. Is that life for this doll to make sense? I'm trying to align myself with that. And I think that's where I'm at. And like, why I'm like, we were talking about earlier, like I'm faced with this new challenge um, with only having, you know, I don't care. I'll share this openly. Only having three months of money saved up um, in my bank account and things like that. And then having a family and like feeling all this pressure and like, now it's kind of like, do I have faith and go through that fear and, and do these things like I'm talking about with kids, with retreats, with healing, or do I fall back and, and do what's safe? So that's, uh, uh, that's kind of the place I'm at is like, as far as like, I've done the work, I've done the, you know, everything I've, I've got the awareness I need. Now it's a matter of what are you going to, what are you going to do with that?
Mm, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, it's very clear that you have yeah. a passion for that. So yeah, I, I got a lot of fear, man. And I, and I admit that openly. It's like, it's always like, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. So kind of the saying that you were touching on, um, especially in like Buddhist tradition, right, is that um, um, attachment is the root of all suffering, but it's not attachment to people, places, and things. It's attachment to outcomes. We're attached mm -hmm. to how we think our life should be. But mm, if we can find yeah. a place of just allowing things to be as they are, and especially I know in your situation, because I was doing the same thing, having known that my runway is three months out and I have to go get a real job. Is that what you're telling me? Um, I got to this place of, well, fuck, I just have to let go and I have to make sure that I'm doing everything I can. What can I do to make money right now, right now, today? And I started doing those things. And I, I had to stop looking at the, like the vision of what I wanted my company to be. And I had to look at what I could do right now. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Even and if I, they weren't the things you wanted to do, did you still do it? I, it was, it was still for myself. Like I, but like working for myself, do you know what that's I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's honestly where a lot of like the, the marketing that I started to do, it was still for impact driven companies. Um, but that was something that I had opportunities right then that I could take and I just had to do it basically. Mm -hmm. And then doing that led me into doing more of the work that I'm actually, I would say more aligned with. Um, even though I am very much aligned with all the, every single company that I've worked with. Um, but I think that was, that was huge. And that's still a big thing that I have to, to think about now every single day is that, you know, am I in my relationships, in my, in the work that I'm doing in life in general, am I attached to a particular outcome? Because if so, it's going to be fucking painful. It's going to fucking hurt. But if I'm just like, whoa, life is just happening. This is pretty cool. And I just take whatever comes to me. It, it makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the matrix, right? You know, when they're dodging the bullets and stuff, just like, yeah. <laughs> It's not like they're thinking about the bullet coming. You're just, you know, you're, you're seeing it and you're reacting and you're just, you're just going. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, some, that's it. Like that really is it. If there was one secret sauce to life, like that's it. And yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. So. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave people with? Man. I always like to tell people and just, like we've been talking about this whole entire time, like everything you already need is already within you as, as cliche and painful as that sounds. Don't, don't try to be or do what somebody else does or, or is because that's, you know, that's the biggest social media trap. And that's just, you know, you see all these influencers now like, Oh, follow these quick 10 easy steps to, to relieve yourself of depression or do this to 10 X your business. Like, no man, like, that may or do this for a viral video that worked for them, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It goes back to the Frankenstein word, just Frankenstein and like take pieces that you talking about. And like, I'm talking about and everybody else talking about and like, okay, I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. And create your own man. Like just enjoy creating. And that's something I didn't enjoy as a kid because I always had the outcome in my head, you know? So like just enjoy the moment, enjoy creation, enjoy, just this journey, man, because it's uh like it's an interesting ride. So that's what I would tell people: just be, be happy with who you are, love yourself, and then you know if you are on this self discovery thing, just find what works for you, and then 
connect and learn from others and, and speak your truth. So that's what I would uh, say and end with. Great. Let's end it there. The end. You're dedicated and I love it. Thanks for sticking around. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe. It really helps me out, but also just to hang out and get weird with me every week. Drop me a line. I would love to know what 